years ago when Kelly and I were first married, I woke up in our apartment one morning and she had already gone off to work and I got a phone call from her coworker and her coworker said, Did, is Kelly coming to work today? And I said, what do you mean is Kelly coming to work? Of course, she left like, you know, an hour or two ago. What do you mean? She said, well, she never made it. And I instantly started kind of freaking out. I'm like, oh, what do you mean she didn't make it? And so I, I started thinking to myself, you know, what happened? Did she get into an accident? You know, did she get kidnapped? Did she get raptured and I got left behind? Like, what happened here? And so I, I said back to her coworker, I said, I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to drive the route that she normally drives to work so that I can make sure she's okay. And she goes, oh, hold on. Just before you do that, hang on one second. And then I hear her hand the phone off. And then I hear, April Fool's. And I'm like, Kelly? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, you're sick. And I hung the phone up. I was so upset, you know. And she doesn't do April Fool's jokes anymore. She, she kind of got the clue that that was crossing the line a little bit. And she felt horrible about it. And I never let her, let her forget about it. But I don't know about you. You ever gotten that urgent phone call? You ever gotten that urgent text that suddenly the blood just starts rushing everywhere? And you're like, I can't believe this is real life. Is this really happening right now? That urgency, that moment where you feel everything kind of speed up and become really super important, right? I don't know if any of you guys are using that new feature on the iPhone. I think it's great where when you're driving, it'll put the do not disturb on automatically so you can't get text notifications or phone calls like that. And as I'm driving, I'll get different texts and stuff. But if you really need to get a hold of me, like say my wife has to, some kind of emergency, she has to get a hold of me, what she can do is text through the word urgent and then it will get to me. And here's the interesting thing. I think some of us are living life, we're going through life, kind of with do not disturb on. You know, there are certain things God wants to speak to our hearts and certain areas of our lives he wants us to live with some urgency, but we're kind of just going through our days with the do not disturb on. And it's my job this morning to text the word urgent through to you, to your heart, that you would hear what God wants to say to you today about living urgently. I think we struggle with this, don't we? Like there are certain areas of our life that need intention, need attention, but sometimes it's like we just aren't focused on those areas, and it seems like there's just a lot of other things going on. There's so many different possibilities for our attention. There's so many things yelling at us and screaming at us and pulling us and drawing us to themselves. How are we supposed to live with urgency in these areas that matter? But let me show you a couple that I think we struggle with. Number one, I think we struggle with living urgently when it comes to doing what God wants us to do in some of the areas of our life. I'm just going to shorten that all up and say we struggle to live urgently when it comes to obedience. Not a popular word in our day and age. But we struggle, right? We know God wants us to do something, or we know he wants us to stop doing something, but yet we struggle to really kind of do it and give it the amount of time and energy that it needs. It's kind of like this attitude. I'll just get to it later. I'll figure it out later. I'm comfortable in this now, or I'm going to keep doing this now, or it's just what I want to do now. So I'm not going to live with urgency when it comes to obeying what God's calling me to do right now. I don't know about you. I can struggle with that sometimes. I think another thing we can struggle with this is if some of you guys here this morning, you woke up, you came to church, and you walked in going, I'm not really sure about all this Jesus stuff. I'm not really sure if it's true. I'm not really sure if it's real. I'm not really sure if I need a Savior or if I don't. But I guess I'll kind of just, you know, take my time with it, and, you know, it'll figure itself out. And there's a lack of urgency when it comes to trusting Jesus, to putting our faith in him, and, and even exploring him and figuring out if all this stuff is true and real and important. I think another way that we can really struggle with this is if you're a follower of Jesus is actually inviting people to church or sharing our faith, right? I think so often we kind of just put this off, you know? Some of us haven't ever invited anybody to church. Some of us haven't done it in a long time. Some of us never told anybody we're a Christian, and we just kind of keep going, maybe when I get closer to God, maybe when I know what to say a little bit better, but right now, I'm just going to wait on that. I think we can struggle with these three areas 
of really focusing in and honing in and living in an urgent way. I know about you, I, I would guess some of you would have some pretty good reasons why you don't share your faith. Maybe it's like, I don't know what to say, or I don't know how people will respond. And trust me, I hear that. Here's what I want you to see today. As we talk about urgency, I think, here's my theory, you ready? That when we realize how urgent our message is, it will overcome our fears for sharing it. Like Some of us won't open our mouths about Jesus, because again, like I said, we're afraid of this or that. But when we realize and discover today how urgent this message we carry is, I think it'll make a difference. I'll give you an example. I am not someone, if I'm walking down the street, who stops and talks to everyone I see, especially if they're strangers. That's just not me. If I know you, I'll talk to you, absolutely. But I'm just kind of shy that way. But if I'm walking down the street and I see a house on fire and there's smoke billowing out the top, suddenly I'm going to throw all my shyness out the window because there's a house on fire and there might be people inside, and I'm going to go start running over there and trying to help and get people out to safety. It's life or death, right? And I think, guys, that's the kind of urgency we have to live with. As we look at our coworkers, as we look at our friends, as we look at the people we go to school with and that we live in the same neighborhood with, we have to realize the house is on fire. Right? There's an urgency, and that urgency should help us overcome the fears that we have when it comes to sharing our faith. So how do you struggle with this? Urgency. How do you struggle? Is it in obedience to God? Is it in figuring all this Jesus stuff out and putting in the effort and the time to actually see if this is important? Is it in inviting those in our lives that need Jesus to church or sharing our faith? I don't know about you guys, probably all been shoe shopping at one time or another, right? And what are you doing there in the shoe store? Yeah, of course, you want to look for something that you like, but more important is you want something that fits. You want to put on a shoe that fits. Now, today, as I talk about urgency, I don't want you to try to put all three of these shoes on, okay? I don't want you to worry about obedience and I got to figure Jesus out and I should invite the whole world to church. I want you to choose one shoe. Which shoe fits you most right now? Which would be your greatest struggle when it comes to, to really giving that area of your life the attention that it needs. I think we struggle with urgency for a couple different reasons. Young people in the room, which I guess I really can't include myself in that anymore. In the first service, I was like, you know what, young people, here's the problem with us. <laughs> I don't think that works, right? Here's the problem with you, right? <laughs> I think often is you just think you have forever. I'm going to be alive forever. I was at my niece's graduation yesterday, and about halfway through the graduation, my wife just kind of nudged me, and she said, wasn't our niece just like down on the carpet playing with blocks like yesterday? And now she's graduating high school. And, and that's the thing, guys. Time goes so fast. And we so often think we have forever. And so often, young people, we go, you know what? I'll obey tomorrow. I'll figure this Jesus stuff out later. I'll invite somebody or, or share my faith sometime. But, but not now. I got forever, man. This is like my time in life. This is my prime. Right now, I'm just going to live for today. What about us older people? Yeah, I'll put myself in the older people group. What about us older people? You know what I think settles in with us sometimes? Apathy, right? Apathy. Eh, let the young change the world. I'm irrelevant. Who listens to me anymore? What difference can I make, right? I think sometimes we think we missed our opportunities. We missed it. Ah, well, you know what? When I was 20, when I was 30, then I should have made a difference. But at this point in my life, what can I do now? And I think those are our dynamics in play here. Why don't we live with urgency? Because... The young think they have forever, and the old think we missed it. And today, I want to just challenge both those ways of thinking, whether it comes to obedience, trusting in Jesus, or inviting those in our lives that need to hear who Jesus is. And you know what I think is true of every single one of us? Sometimes we put the urgent label on the wrong thing. 
Sometimes we put the urgent label on the wrong thing. In other words, we are looking at our job. We're saying, oh, I'm going to slap that urgent label on there because my job, man, I got to be all about that. But what do we take the urgent label off of so that we can move it over here and slap it on our job? I'm going to take that urgent label and slap it on my schooling, slap it on my finances, slap it on that job promotion, slap it on that relationship. But what did we peel the label off of? And you know how annoying it is to peel a label off, right? You've got to be real careful. It doesn't get all ripped up, and you've got to take the little edges. And some of us have pulled that label off so carefully and slapped it on something, ready for this, so less important, right? You ever accidentally marked an email urgent when it wasn't really urgent? Like you meant to mark one, but you marked a different one, you know? So your boss or your professor or your teacher gave you an email, and it's vital, and you need this email, but you accidentally marked the one right below it. It's always something stupid. It's never anything important. Like, for example, have you gotten this ridiculous email that's being sent around right now? Hey, you can read this along with me. As you can see, there is no need for me to introduce myself to you because I don't have any business with you. My duty as I am mailing you now is just to assassinate you. If you don't comply, I have to do it as I've already been paid for that. But I have to ask you this question. What is the problem you have with your friend that made him to hire us to kill you? I'm just glad that they're worried about their interpersonal relationships behind the assassination. Like, that's important to me, you know? And he says this, now do you want to live or die? As someone has paid us to kill you, get back to me now if you are ready to pay some fees to spare your life. 3800 is all you need to spend. Like, aren't I worth a little bit more than that? Come on, 3800 but sometimes we'll be going through our email and accidentally we'll, we'll, we'll flag one of those and then we're sitting in the boss or the, the teacher's office and they're going, pull up that email I sent you. And I'm like, okay, I got the one from the DMV, my mom, the person who's going to assassinate me, right? I can't find that one. I put the label on the wrong thing. And sometimes that's what we do in life. We peel that urgent label off and we go, let me put this over here right now. Some of us struggle with this. And let me just talk to the dads for a minute. This is our day, right? This is our day, Father's Day. And you know what? I think we struggle with this a lot. You know why? Because as dads, there are things always screaming at us, right? We're the ones that have to worry about. Everybody can be taken care of and healthy and good, and we're, we have a lot of responsibility on our shoulders. But as all those things scream at us, we sometimes take the urgent label off the most important thing. You know what the most important thing is, dads? Somebody once said this, the most important thing, for a parent, is to ensure that their child has a living faith, to pass on that living faith so that our kids grow up knowing Jesus. Now listen, let me say this, okay? We can't always control that. Sometimes we do our best. Sometimes we've done all we know to do to try to pass on that faith that we have that's so important to us. And you know what? It doesn't go well, and that child runs away a little bit, right? And let me just encourage you. God was the perfect father, right? And yet... His kids chose sin, didn't they? And so don't beat yourself up. We don't always have control over this, but we do have a responsibility to, with urgency, make it our goal to pass on that living faith. And that takes, you ready? Sometimes peeling the urgent label off the desk at work and slapping it back on our kids. Taking that, that urgent label off what we sometimes do and slap it back on making sure our kids have every opportunity they have to get closer to Jesus. But I can struggle with this. Sometimes I put the urgent label on the wrong stuff. Last summer was a great example. I left for vacation last August. I literally just told you guys, some of you guys weren't, it wasn't even live, it was through a video announcement that we were thinking about merging with another church. We didn't have a place to go once we sold our building. Our building was going to be sold out from under us. Well, not out from under us, we were selling it. <laughs> we sold it out from under ourselves, and we only had like three or four months, right? And so there we are, and I go on vacation like that, 
And I'm talking to lawyers on the phone, this pastor from this other church, our staff, and I am like freaking out. And, and like we, to us, vacations are sacred. Like you don't, you don't mess with vacations in our home, right? And so here's dad on the phone. This was me, my vacation last year, walking around. My kids are off playing, walking around on the phones. Yeah, okay, just a minute, I'm coming. I know, I know. I'm just, this, this, is, this is me. And one day, my kids came outside to play, and there's a pool there, you know, where we go, and there's a ping pong table, and there's all kinds of fun stuff to do. And here I was on the phone again, and one of my kids said, you have got to get off the phone. And he was absolutely right. What I do? I had slapped the urgent label on the wrong thing. What is it for you? What urgent thing is really maybe not as urgent as obedience to Jesus, as figuring this Jesus stuff out? Is it true? Is it real? As inviting those in our lives who are in the burning house that need rescuing, as our kids having a living faith. We only have so much time to obey. We only have so much time to figure out if Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. We only have so much time to invite and share our faith, and we only have so much time to put the urgent label on the right and most important things. Paul said this in Romans 13. It's powerful. He said, and do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. This is something that we struggle with. Sometimes we kind of fall asleep at the wheel a little bit in life. And wait a minute, I'm not just here to coast through life. I'm here to have an impact. I'm here to honor God with my life. I'm here to figure out this relationship with Jesus. And sometimes we fall asleep a bit on that. And Paul says, it is time to wake up. I don't know about you, I hate when my alarm goes off. I hate waking up. Some of you guys love when the alarm goes off. Some, literally, some of you guys, the alarm goes off and you're like, yes, that was my mom, man. She was crazy. My mom was crazy. She'd wake up at 5 o'clock, no alarm. She'd go out, three-mile walk. She'd come home, clean the house, pick the raspberries, give us like a little bit of summer sleep in, and then she would wake us up. You ready? How she would wake us up? Singing to us. Singing. My mom would come up singing. I'm going to totally show you exactly how she would do it and the song she would sing every day. She would come up, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. And I would be like, Mom, I love you, but shut up, right? I love my mom. I didn't say that to her. But man, she would drive me crazy. Every single day when my alarm goes up, I'm not singing rise and shine and give God the glory. I say out loud every single time my alarm goes up several words. Ready? You have got to be kidding. Every morning of my life. And then I'll hit snooze, and it goes off nine minutes later, and I'll say it again. You have got to, I have been robbed. I am wronged right now. Things have been stolen from me. I am an angry waker-upper, right? And Paul here says, hey, about time to wake up, guys. It's about time to stop sleeping. It's about time to get some urgency in our hearts again, some passion in our heart again. Stop hitting snooze, right? The hour has come for you and me to take obedience to Jesus seriously. What's he calling us to do? The hour has come for us to look into Jesus seriously if we're not sure if he's the way, the truth, and the life. The hour has come for us to look at those around us that need saving and rescuing and get serious and purposeful about loving those and serving them and pointing them to Jesus. And then Paul says this, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. That seems like an obvious statement, but Paul's trying to remind us, here's why we have to wake up. Because we're going to see Jesus sooner than, than, than we did yesterday, sooner than we were going to a year ago, sooner than when we first believed. If you've been a Christian for five years, and I mean, obvious statement here, Doug, but you are five years closer to seeing your Savior. Now that's great. I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait. But at the same time, it makes me realize I only have so much time 
honor him with my obedience. I only have so much time to invite my neighbors, my friends, my coworkers, and share my faith with them. Some of you in the room, you only have so much time to decide to put your trust in Jesus. And he goes, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. And so what is Paul doing here? He is comparing the night to our lives here and now and the day to eternity with him. And so he's going, okay, guys, you know how it is when you're in bed and you're tired, but then all of a sudden it's almost daytime, and when that starts to happen, the alarm goes off, you get up, you get in the shower, you eat, you get to the car, and you go to work. It is daytime. we got to be ready, right? And so Paul tells us, come on, guys, stop hitting snooze. I hope that the text is getting through to you today. I hope alert is getting through to you today because we have to start to live with urgency. And then Paul gives us an example of how, and this really has to do with obedience. He says, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. And so Paul challenges us, challenges us to live in the light, right? Here's a question for you. If you're trying to figure out this whole obedience thing and what God wants you to do, here's a great question for you. Every time you're about to do something and you're uncertain if it's going to please God or not, here's, here's probably the way you can measure it. Ask this question. Would I do this in the light? Would I do this in the light? So like if I had this decision to make and, and my community group would know I would do it and it would be all out there in the light, would I do it? And if my volunteer team knew I was about to do this, would I still do it? And if the people that I really respect, would I still do this? Would I do this in the light? Because Paul says, hey, it's daytime, people. Let's wake up. Let's get ready. Let's get urgent about living for God. Verse 14. He says, rather, rather than all that, rather than kind of doing all those things down in the dark and hiding it, he says, rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. He says, here's what you should do instead. Let's really do things God's way. And I love what it says. Do you guys see that? Clothe yourselves with the Lord. Can I ask you a question? Is there anything closer to you right now than your clothes? <laughs> well, personal, though, right? No, our clothes are the closest thing to us. Clothe ourselves with the Lord. In other words, get Jesus all around you. Clothe yourself with who he is. And this is exactly what we were pushing out in that temptation message a few weeks ago, right? That the more I see Jesus, the less I'll want sin. The closer I am to Jesus, the less I'll buy into all that stuff that I can do and get caught up in, in the darkness and in the shadows, right? Would I do this in the light? Rather than doing all that stuff in the darkness, let's just get really close to Jesus. Let's clothe ourselves with Jesus. And let's not think about how we gratify our flesh. Because can we just remember something? Sin is not our friend. Sin's out to destroy. Sin's out to kill. Sin always, always leaves us stabbed in the back. So what are we still messing around with in the dark? It's time today, if this is the shoe that fits you, it's time today to deal with this with urgency. I'm not going to keep playing around with this. I'm going to get serious. I'm going to bring this to God, and I'm going to ask him for grace, and I'm going to ask him for forgiveness, and I'm going to ask him to empower me, and maybe I'm going to talk with some trusted friends like we talked about in the Temptation series who love me and love Jesus can help me beat this by God's grace. Paul says, don't put it off. Don't put it off. Don't come out of the Temptation series a few weeks ago going, yeah, you know what, God's probably right about all this stuff. This sin's probably going to completely destroy my life, but uh, I'll deal with it eventually. No, don't put it off today. If you're not a follower of Jesus, wouldn't it be something that should grab your attention that Jesus loves you 
Jesus loves you unconditionally. Jesus forgives you. Jesus wants a relationship with you. He died on the cross. He was brutally murdered so that you could know him, so you could see him as your God and Savior, the one who can rescue you and I from our sin. And the truth is Jesus wants to save us from not only the consequences of our sin, but the destruction our sin causes every single day. If you have lived more than, I don't know, five, six years, my eight-year-old, my nine-year-old, I mean, they, these kids, they can tell you that sin, at the end of the day, doesn't work, right? Don't we all know this? And we need a Savior. And we need one to rescue us. And doing things His way is always worth it. And so, if you're not a follower of Jesus here today, I hope the shoe that fits you is this shoe that says, okay, I'm going to get some urgency in trusting Jesus and figuring out if He can be trusted. I encourage you, download our app. Listen through the evidence series. Have a conversation with me. I was the biggest skeptic in the whole world, but at the end of the day, found Jesus could be trusted. And so, are those your shoes today? Obedience? Is that anybody's here today? Trusting Jesus and figuring this all out? Is anybody's here today? What about that last one? Sharing our faith. We're inviting people to come to church. Jesus talked about this in John 4, and he said it in an interesting illustration. He says, don't you have a saying? He said this to his disciples. It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. What's Jesus doing here? Well, there was a saying back in Jesus' day that Jesus is probably drawing from. And they would talk about how when those that would kind of put the seeds down, it'd be about four months until the first harvest. And so Jesus is saying, hey guys, you guys know how you plant the seeds and you wait about four months and then you go out and you bring that stuff in? Jesus says, don't wait four months. Like, don't put it off anymore. Look at the harvest. The harvest is ripe. And he wasn't talking about the fields and the crops. He was talking about people who were ready to be included in the family of God. People who were ready to receive this message of salvation. Brendan Hodick was sitting at St. Joseph's College one day. Somebody invited him to come to church, and he came. God changed his life, and he's changed many. Dave Wester, I believe, had a neighbor several years ago, invited him to our church. God worked in their life. Todd showed up. Todd was my waiter at Friendly's when I was about 18 years old. Here's Todd sitting in the front row at church. How crazy. All a different story of someone investing in somebody else. And here they are. God used those seeds and those words. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but Doug, this doesn't work for me. I would love to get some urgency when it comes to this. I'd love to be passionate about this, but this doesn't work for me. Everybody just raise your hand even before I ask the question. Go ahead, trust me. Come on, you trust me? Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Come on. All right, let's find out who trusts me here today. Wow, this is heartbreaking. All right. You are raising your hand right, you are raising your hand right now saying you have invited someone to church and they did not come, right? Isn't that true of every one of us who raised their hand? At one point or other, we invited someone to church. They didn't come. We shared our faith with somebody. They didn't come. They didn't put their trust in Jesus. And so here's what we believe about ourselves. We're no good at this. Well, Let's look at the next verse. Because look at what Jesus says. He says, Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying, guys, here's what you have to understand. Sometimes you go out there and you plant a seed, but the person isn't ready yet. But somebody else will bring them in 10 years later. Or sometimes you go out and you're talking with somebody, and even though you just met them, or you just have a newer relationship with them, somebody else has been planting seeds in their life for 10 years, and you get to bring them in. 
So you get to celebrate together here. And it says this, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So Jesus is looking at his disciples going, guys, there's some people out there. They're ready to come in. They're ready to know who Jesus is. They're ready to be one for me. Go get them. And you and I look at that and say, yeah, but Doug, like I said, I'm no good at this. But here's the thing. You don't have to be good at this. I'm not good at this. I don't think any of us are actually really good at this. I mean, there's some of us maybe gifted with this whole evangelism thing, but, but most of us guys, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go out there into our workplaces and into our schools and into our neighborhoods, and we're going to just plant some seeds. And we're going to tell people a little bit about Jesus, and we're going to tell people that this really cool thing's going on in our church, and we meet in the back of a school, and how cool is that? And come check it out, and the band's amazing, and wow, you'll never believe it. We do tailgate parties, and man, everybody loves each other, and we forgive each other, we work through conflict, and wow. And you know what? Some people are going to go, I'm in. Where do I sign up? I'm there. And some people are going to go, nah. But five years from now, somebody else will invite them. Uh, here's my theory. If you did not grow up coming to church, my theory is that it did not take one invitation for you to start coming to church. My theory is it took many, right? So here's the thing. Even though it hurts, I hate it. Guys, I invite my neighbors to come to Easter. They don't come. I invite my, my friends to come here and there. I text my friend, my buddy. Hey, hey, nah, I'm not really into that dog. Okay. It, it hurts. It feels like rejection sometimes when people don't show up on those important big days and you've prayed and you've fasted and you've got, you know, you'd be like name claimed their seat when you walked in. In the name of Jesus, for John right now, Lord, anoint this seat for John and John only. If anyone else sits in it, not really worried about them. I pray John into this seat by your anointing and power, right? You're just going for it. And then John's not there. But maybe John will come next year. Or maybe John will get invited to another church by somebody else and we'll get to celebrate because we're reaping and sowing this together, right? Urgency, though. Jesus says, don't wait. Don't wait until you have a degree in evangelism to share your faith. God has placed you where you are right now, the office, the school, the neighborhood, the friend group, all of it, to shine brightly for him, to plant these seeds for him. And you never know what God is going to do. None of our efforts are wasted. And so here's what I hope you're seeing today. I hope you're seeing that whether it's obedience to God, what's he calling me to do or what's he calling me away from, whether it's figuring out who Jesus is and if he can be trusted, or whether it's inviting and sharing your faith, that this urgency has to start to well up in our hearts. This passion, this kind of fire has to get burned up in our hearts again about these incredibly important things. We have to start to look at those things we've slapped the urgent label on and peel that bad boy back off and bring it over where it belongs. So my bottom line for you today is not a statement, it's a question. My question is this, will you live with urgency? Will you? Because you know why I ask you this question? I don't just say, hey, this is something we do. I ask you this because this is a decision we make. Either we will live with urgency or we will not. Either we will decide to invest in others or we won't. Either we will give Jesus access to those, hearts, those parts of our heart that are, are struggling and we're wrestling through, or we won't. Either we will look into Jesus, or we won't. It is a decision we have to make. And so, which of these shoes kind of fit you today? And here's the thing I gotta say. Living urgently is not about living frantically. Some of you guys are like, Doug, I am already so stressed out. I'm convinced, and this is me talking now, I'm convinced Long Island is the most crazy, ridiculous, busy place on the entire planet horrible, right? 
Some of you guys are going, how am I going to fit anything else in? How am I going to obey God? How am I going to invite my friends? How am I going to seek Jesus out in all this? I'm so busy. See, living with urgency is not about living frantically or stressed. In fact, two weeks from today, we're going to talk about how to put barriers in our lives, guardrails in our lives, so that we're not stressed out, burnt out people, but that we're able to actually be healthy and love Jesus and love others well. Imagine that. Wouldn't that be fun? I guess it's just me. Okay. But I'll tell you, Living with urgency is about living purposefully. Living with urgency is about living purposefully, not frantically, not stressed out. It's about looking at those things and saying, okay, I'm going to be purposeful about obedience because I've been just distracted from it. I'm going to be purposeful about seeking Jesus out and seeing if he can be trusted because I just haven't put the energy in. I'm going to be purposeful about inviting my friends and those that need Jesus. And suddenly we begin to realize, oh, okay, wow, I can actually do this. I, I can do this because it's about purpose. It's not about stress out and being frantic. And so let me just sort of throw those shoes back out there, okay? Shoe number one, we need to obey with urgency. Is that you today? Is that what you're working through here today? Do we maybe need to stop messing around in the darkness? And dad's in the room. If I could just talk to you for a minute, and let me just say this. I am an imperfect dad. I do not get fathering right all the time. I apologize to my kids, and I don't get it right all the time. But maybe, a little theory here, if you have young kids, we got to, and I, guys, I get there's layers to this. There's busy seasons in our lives. Uh, Long Island is the most expensive place in the world to live, it feels. But, but maybe some of us, right, we got to peel that urgent label off the desk, right? And, and we come on down here, and we get back down on the rug with our kids, right? We're eye level with them again. And we're with them. And we slap that urgent label back on them. We say, hey, I only got so much time with you. And my biggest goal is that you would have a living faith when you're my age. Living faith when you're 15, 20, 25, 35, 55. Until you see Jesus back on this rug. Maybe some of you guys don't have kids this little. If you sat down on the rug, you'd be sitting by yourself. But maybe you need pick up the phone and call a grown son or daughter and you need to apologize or maybe make some new plans hey how about lunch this week my treat hey when when's your son's or daughter's next game i'll be there slap that urgent label back where it belongs so do you need to obey with urgency do you need to get that label back on the right thing do you need to maybe trust Jesus, with urgency. If you're not a follower of Jesus here today, I just challenge you and encourage you to put that on your first priority list. Can Jesus be trusted? Is he really God? Does he really love me? And we are here to help you with that. I encourage you to keep coming back here. I encourage you to pull me aside after services, have some conversations. Maybe talk to the person that brought you. How did Jesus make a difference in your life? What did he do for you? What what is it to all this? And lastly, we need to invite with urgency. We have to remember What's at stake, guys? I'm not saying this uh, because it's manipulation. I'm saying this because it's true. We have to remember what's at stake, guys. This is heaven or hell for people, okay? And I don't bring this up all the time because I don't think that scaring people into a relationship with God is necessarily the goal. But sometimes we as Jesus followers need to be reminded what's at stake. And that's why this is so urgent. This is eternity. This is people's eternity on the line. 
And we try to be a church, guys. You know this if you've been around for a while. We try to be a church that it makes it so easy for you to invite people to. We want you to know we want you to grow in your relationship with Jesus, but we care just as much about John, who's hopefully going to be sitting in the seat next to you ne- next week after you invite him, right? We care so much. And, and I just encourage you guys to just be very practical with this. I carry these around with me everywhere, not just because I'm the pastor of this church, but I carry these little cards. They're on the info desk. We give them out every single week. So it says, you're invited. Got some times on the back. It's our social media stuff. I give these out to everybody. I was at the dentist a few weeks ago, and uh, the guy's like, yeah, we've got to rip this tooth out and that tooth out. I'm like, bro, I've got to preach. Like, um, you know, when should I do this? And anyway, we started talking about how I'm a pastor. And um, so then I was like, as I'm leaving, I'm like, you want this? Actually, I was more like, I want this. <laughs> Take this, please. And, and so I give this out. Um, I coach my, son, my younger son's baseball team. So I'm, I'm there with my nine-year-old. Every season that I've been able to coach his team, this is what I do at the end of the season. I take a bunch of these, and it's the last, get, last day, and I kind of get down on the kids' levels, and I'm looking them all in the eye, and I tell them this. Guys, the way I see it, that we're buds now, right, for life, okay? And so I'm going to give you this card, and, and here's how you can reach me. And I don't care when in your life you need to reach me, but you can find me here. And if it's like 10 years from now, and you're like, man, I got to talk with that bald, crazy coach guy, baseball guy. You give me a call, you email me, and let's talk. And so now, not only do these kids have these, their families get to see what we're doing. Uh, Mother's Day, I texted the entire team on the coaching thread and just said, hey, guys, uh, you know, here's the church. I don't even tell them I'm the pastor. I just, hey, I'd love for you guys to come to our church on Mother's Day. Come check it out. You know, I hope they don't kick me out of the league or anything. Don't let me come back. But, guys, it really came down to an urgency thing for me. I was literally laying in bed before sending that text about Mother's Day going, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I should do this. I, maybe I'll get in trouble with the league. I don't know if the parents won't respond well. Maybe they'll pull their kids from the team if they're unhappy with, you know, church and God and Jesus and all this. I'm literally having these conversations in my head, and I was like, no. The house is on fire. I have to reach out. I have to let this urgency overcome my fear. And so I encourage you guys, grab these, or you're in the office or school this week and somebody brings something up terrible they're going through, you let them know. I'm going to be praying for you. 99 out of 100% of the time, when someone's going through something difficult, you tell them you're going to be praying, you're not going to get, I don't want anything to do with that. You're going to get, thank you. I need that so much. Just those little practical things. Urgency. Purposeful. Going to the office this week. Purposeful. Doing what we do out on the ball field. Doing what we do with our kids. Purposeful. Thinking about those areas of our life where we're struggling purposeful, but ready to be used because, guys, this is a message of life and death. In 1912, the Titanic is sailing on the ocean. You guys know the story, right? All of a sudden, the lookout sees the iceberg. Do you guys know how much time the, 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 they had between the time the lookout saw the iceberg and when the ship went down? Or, or not when the ship went down, but when the ship decided to change course and had to figure out what to do? 37 seconds. 37 seconds from the time the lookout saw it and got word down and they said, turn the ship. And you know what's even crazier is? They would have had more time. But they were relying on their eyesight because they didn't have binoculars because one of the ship uh, captains that was supposed to hand off a key to the locker that held binoculars forgot to hand off that key. So that when they needed them, the guys are out there just looking with their eyesight and they were only able to see, obviously, very limitedly in comparison. 37 seconds to get out a message of life or death. Urgent. Guys, you and I carry an urgent life or death message. The Titanic is going down. Jesus has entrusted you and me with the keys. He's given us the opportunity 
to share what Jesus has done for us. And again, this is not manipulation. I hate manipulation. I don't have any stomach for it. It's just reality. It's truth about where the people in our lives are apart from Jesus, just like we are apart from Jesus, right? And so we've got to get urgent about sharing this life-changing message with those in our lives. So will you live with urgency? It's a question, not a statement. Will you obey with urgency? Will you trust Jesus with urgency? Will you invite with urgency? Will you live with urgency? Let's pray. So God, we come to you today just so grateful to you, Lord, that you have allowed us to see who you are and you have given us this opportunity to be near you. And I thank you, God, for your desire to just draw us close to you and to use us and to make our lives matter. So help us, God. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want to pray with you about that first shoe. Is that what fit you today? Is it obedience? Is there something in your life you know God wants you to do or stop doing and you've been putting it off? Would you get very specific with God about prayer, with that in prayer rather? And if you're a follower of Jesus, let me pray about that third shoe with you real quick too. Is it inviting people to church? Is it sharing your faith? Is that what kind of fit you today when you think about living with urgency? Would you get real serious about that? Would you pray about that? Pray about those people. Pray about those opportunities that God has given you. And lastly, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm going to talk about that second shoe for a minute. Trusting Jesus. Not putting off looking into who he is. Not putting on trusting, not putting off trusting this amazing Savior who died in your place. I just want to make something clear. As I talked about obedience today, I wasn't talking about being good church people who obey so that God will love us and accept us. No, this is a gift of salvation that we cannot earn. We cannot earn our way into God's favor. We need this gift of salvation. And that's what he offers us. And that's what I hope you'll put your trust in today. If you're not a father of Jesus, I hope at the very least you'll begin this conversation. I hope maybe you'll just pray a simple prayer like this. God, if you're there, show me. Some of you may be ready to actually say, no, no, I need to live for Jesus. I want to know him and I want to be his child, his son or daughter. And I would encourage you to just pray something like this quietly. Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Thank you for dying for me in my place. Forgive me for my sin. Show me how real you are. And I thank you that you are giving me this gift that I do not deserve. Show me what it means to be close to you. Thank you for your love. In your name I pray.